Welcome to Speaking of Nutrition with Tom Mantos and co-host Fred Fornicola. Our program discusses the facts about chronic health conditions and shows you remedies that work. Now, here are your hosts, Tom Mantos and Fred Fornicola. Hi, this is Tom Mantos, Speaking of Nutrition, and my sidekick, Fred Fornicola. Welcome, everybody. Tom, we have a really good topic today. That's really a really important topic. Not that the other ones haven't been, but I think this is really important to uh, a lot of parents and children, which is about ADD and ADHD for children. So I'm going to read a a little um, piece of uh, information from your uh, alternative therapies for behavior disorders in children. I think this is a really great information here that I want to share with our, our listeners first. So behavior problems like ADD and ADHD are being diagnosed in epidemic proportions. In the last two decades, the use of drugs has become the dominant component in the treatment of behavioral problems. Uh, Millions of children are now taking stimulants such as Ritalin, and the numbers grow dramatically each year. Physicians in this country prescribe five times, that's five times. It's amazing. Five times the quantity of stimulants for children as the rest of the world combined. One thing that seems clear, long-term follow-up studies of children treated with stimulants resulted in no marked changes of social adjustment. In contrast, short-term studies of stimulant drug treatment showed success since it clearly, clearly improves the child's ability to concentrate and dampens their restlessness. So traditional medicine has always been always looking for new drugs since they know that these medications are not curing but merely pal- palatating in a very temporary manner. The side effects of the drugs are numerous and include anorexia, apathy, depression, suicidal tendencies, dizziness, insomnia, headaches, irritability, psychosis, tick disorders, and decreased growth. The severity of these symptoms are generally dose-related, and the drugs most often masked an underlying problem in the child's chemistry. So obviously, with this information I just read, that taking medical drugs is not the way to go for most of these children. Right. Especially, you know, the one that kills me is we write five times the prescriptions than the entire world combined. That's 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 enormous. But, you know, I also heard a a study that um, the majority of these children or kids involved in mass shootings are on antipsychotic drugs. Really? Medications, yeah. It can can cause, like, suicidal thoughts and behavior. I'm going to talk a little bit about what it does to your neurotransmitters and that. Right. Okay. So I wanted to read you something because there's also a thing, um, Sibagagi, which is the drug manufacturer for like Ritalin. Yeah. They actually put together a lot of these support groups because it's like a Ritalin party. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like shouldn't be laughing at that, but the statement 10 to 30% of the kids, either the drugs don't work or they just can't tolerate them. Right. right. You know? Mm -hmm. So I want to go over different things here with that, but This is an interesting article from the New York Times, and it says a world-renowned Harvard child psychiatrist, he's helped fuel an explosion in the use of powerful antipsychotic medications in children, but they don't tell you that he was paid $1.6 million consulting fee to get the kids to get on the drugs. Wow. So, little incentive, right? He's from Harvard? Um, It doesn't... Okay, sorry. It doesn't say... That's okay. doesn't even give you his name in this one. But, uh, and then another one interesting. As a result, pediatric bipolar diagnosis and antipsychotic drug use in children have soared. Some 500,000 children and teenagers were given at least one prescription for an antipsychotic in 2007, including 20,500 under the age of six. And that's from the New York Times. That, that's staggering. Yeah. Me. yeah. Uh, so how many minutes? Question, how are they determining that someone has ADD, ADHD? Well, the, the doctors will give them, a, you know, an evaluation, mm-hmm. a psychological evaluation and such. The problem is they're not looking for other causative factors. Right. Generally, you know, the way I look at it, I can have five kids with ADHD, mm-hmm. treat them five different ways. Right. Because they're different kids. Right. But So I don't, I don't care so much about the diagnosis, but what the doctors are doing, they're trying to they have all these different subcategories of mm-hmm. autism and under autism and ADHD and all that. Mm-hmm. So they want to categorize them. Well, yeah, but everybody gets, but the, it's not gets that helpful because they're going to write the same damn prescription anyway. Well, right. Everybody's being thrown, you know? thrown into a different pile, but still, yeah. um, 
you know, the, fa- the fact of the matter is a lot of times, like I- I'll talk to a lot of different teachers, you know, and the kids are yeah, misbehaving or they don't pay attention in school and, and, or, and a parent will come in consultative, you know, say, well, look, you know, little Johnny's having trouble sitting still and, and uh, you may want to look at it and get him tested. And then the parent looks at that and says, okay, and they bring him to a physician and say, yeah, he's a little hyper. How's he at home? Well, he's running around. His grades aren't that good. Well, let's try this. And the fact of the matter is, is that he's probably just being a little kid. He may probably, not be interested. He's probably bored he might with be the teacher. Bored. Yeah, I, mean, I was like that when I was a kid. You know, if yeah. I was interested, like for me, if, if I'm studying science, yeah, you're all that's my it. thing. Right, like, sure. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm, I'm like, you know, family management class or yeah. some stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, let me out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear this. Right. You know? Well, it's almost like what I'm implying, though, is I don't want to say it's an easy way out, but it's becoming a lot easier to just point a finger, write a script, you know, and then have the problem, yeah. well, I'm, temporarily solved. Anyway. What I'm going to go into today, though, is how to properly evaluate the internal chemistry of the kid that we can manipulate and make changes in the, to improve their behavior. Just, I mean, it is complex because all kids are so different. So, you know, as I've always talked about, there's genetic factors involved, but it's a predisposition to react to your environment. Right. So we, as we, we said, it's a 25% we look at that. and then 75% yeah. you can, you can change. Right. I'll be exploring like environmental factors that trigger gene expression and, and the testing other factors, uh, and it's actually one of the first things I do with these kids, um, imbalanced brain neurotransmitters. And we're going to be talking about the testing. Right. And they don't use drugs to fix the test. Mm-hmm. They use amino acids and nutrients. Mm-hmm. And the labs have been doing research in this for decades. Right. Every child's different and he must be assessed and treated. Uh, you know, some kids are aggressive. They'll right. kick you in the groin <laughs> and not even think anything about it. Yeah, yeah. And some kids are more like weepy and withdrawn, you know, so they're, you got to look at the whole picture. Right. They, the they respond emotionally differently. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The doctor may just write the same prescription anyway, but for, for me, well, you know, or a functional medicine doctor, they're going to individualize everything. They're not just treating the problem. They're treating the person with the problem. And right. everybody's well, like somebody has, like we said before, someone has a headache, they give them an aspirin where you're going to look and evaluate why do they have a headache? Is it food? Is it this? Is it that? Is it stress? Right. So, I'll just give you some of the triggering things for behavior problems. Uh, toxin exposure, like fetal drug exposure, including heroin, cocaine, fetal alcohol syndrome. So that's in the womb. The other thing people uh, probably don't think so much about, but because when I studied homeopathic medicine, this is a big one. Mm. It's called in utero prescribing. Mm-hmm. Traumas that happen to the mother while she's carrying the baby directly affects the baby's nervous system. Okay. Directly. It's, it's something really to look at. Mom's stress is passed on to the, to the, well, the baby experiences it. Sure. You know, Mm -hmm. environmental toxins, gut toxicity. So we talk about the gut, heavy metals. We're going to talk about, that's another huge one, uh, which can be managed by liver detoxification, Post-infectious states such as meningitis, severe like inner ear infections, encephalitis, racing, AIDS, and another big one is traumatic events, grief, loss, abandonment, abuse. Those are huge ones. Sure, right. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you got to factor. Some kids may have multiple things going on. Right. And the other one, uh, I'm just going to mention real briefly. I could do a whole thing on it. Vaccines. Vaccines often. And I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of it on it, but I know the whole history and I've studied a lot of independent researchers, not the guys that manufacture the drugs and they tell you a different story. A lot of heavy metals in, in the vaccines. Right. And we're going to talk about heavy metals, mercury, right. aluminum, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. those are things you don't want to be ingesting, but this is, they're injecting it into you. Right. Right. And they all affect the nervous system. And vaccines right now are a very hot topic in schools, right? So there's people who are wanting people to get vaccinated for certain things. Well, of and, course. And there's religious reasons and whatnot that go along with I should with do it. a whole podcast on vaccines. Yeah, well, you that know? would be pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you get a lot of people up in arms about all, that too, but okay. Yeah, but I, I deal with facts. No, that's all right. what you got to deal with. I don't deal with what the drug manufacturer tells me about it because they want to sell it. Right. Right. No, you, you're dealing with facts and results yeah. when you work with people. Well, like we'll, that go, we'll move around that subject, but I'm, okay. I'm thinking about t- talking about that one day. So problems associated with children can be a whole bunch of different things. Behavior, social, cognitive, you know, how they do in school, academic, mm-hmm. emotions. Some are depressed. They have low self-esteem. They have a lot of anxiety and mood swings. Physical, 
you know, poor growth, bedwetting, you know, all different types of things, uncoordination. Yeah. So you look at the whole thing. The doctors are going to go through this. Yeah. But it really, it's not going to change their prescription writing. I know, but these, you know what I mean? Like these, th- these symptoms just seem like a normal kid though, too. You know what I mean? Yean, it's one that's to the extreme, you know, to the right. extreme I mean, where it's interfering with their, their, daily their ability yeah, to, sure. to function in daily society. Life. Right. I got you. Yeah. So what I want to talk about, we're going to go into like a lot of the testing that I use, but the number one thing, and I'm going to do a whole podcast on this because I haven't really brought it into the mix because it's a whole topic by itself, homeopathic medicine. Right. All right. Homeopathic medicine, it's a system of medicine. Now, people go to me, Tom, I went to an alternative guy and he did homeopathy because mm. he did herbs and vitamins. That's not homeopathic medicine. No. Homeopathic medicine is a totally different system of medicine mm-hmm. based on the laws of nature. You can get a homeopath from 200 years ago, practice, be a master, because the laws don't change. The right. laws of nature, using small dilute substances, which stimulate immune responses. There's no toxicity. Mm. And homeopathy works when nothing else works. Mm-hmm. For, for instance, <clears throat> if me or anybody in my family, even my cats included, mm-hmm. anything chronic or acute disease problems or whatever, the first thing I go to is homeopathic medicine. Now, I studied that for six years in Boston. Mm-hmm. So it's a long study for chronic problems. I studied under Dr. Luke DeShepard, who's world-renowned. So I think I'm going to do a whole podcast on that. But And you can use this for any known chronic problem, mm-hmm. homeopathy is the only system of medicine that can actually cure a chronic disease. Now, cure means you return to normal state of health and you don't need anything to maintain it. Right. All right. So if you're looking for a functional medicine doctor, this is one of the first things that I would like to do, but make sure that they study classical homeopathic medicine. That's exactly the way it was taught from the origins on up, it wasn't changed or altered or bastardized or anything. Classical homeopathy. So wait a minute, how how is someone to distinguish classical from whatever? What, what do you consider to be not classical? Then what are they doing? Made up systems, alterations of the systems. Like, it's like taking the Bible and like just changing said, the scriptures because it doesn't fit your lifestyle. You okay. don't like that so one mean, about that. So, so like you, you mentioned the herb thing. That's not homeopathy. It has nothing to do with it. Right. Okay. It's a system of medicine. Yeah different than the system of medicine we practice in the United States. Just as an FYI, people are not familiar with homeopathy or are, and a lot of people think it's quackery, but it was invented by Samuel Hahnemann, what, 500 years ago? Who was a physician? No, 1800s. 1800s? 1800s, Okay, but it was by a doctor. Well, he was the best, he was the best chemist in the world. I could go into the whole history. The guy was a genius. He was unbelievable. But there's hundreds and hundreds of studies now Mm. that support and prove that homeopathic medicine works. And I can tell you, I've seen it just in animals. I've seen them pull animals that were going to be put to sleep, like one of my cats, and they're still around, which like a hundred percent healthy, which squashes the whole placebo effect right there. Yeah. So, and it works in babies and all. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're going to, I'm going to do a whole podcast on that, much, but, that's, but that's, yeah, yeah that's how important it is. That's one of my favorite yeah. things I ever studied in my life. Now, generally you're going to go to the doctor. We're going to talk about some testing. So routinely they should do at least the metabolic panel that would include like liver function, kidney function, blood sugar, mm-hmm. all this. With the CBC, looking at their hemoglobin and all, and then a complete thyroid. Yeah. A lot of doctors don't even do that. What, a thyroid? Yeah, because I guess so This young. is general blood work. Like, normally you should, you know, it's not going to tell you a lot unless there's something really out of whack, like their thyroid or something But like usually that. someone at 8, 9, 10 years of age, they're having thyroid problems at that time? Usually not. No. Right? But, I mean, like, to your point. You still got to rule it out. Right. Exactly. If there's any abnormalities yeah. or anything. Mm-hmm. So generally, the doctors will run that. Now, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the testing that uh, functional medicine doctors would look at doing. Mm. The number one thing is going to be heavy and toxic metals. Now, there's two ways to test this. So you're looking at things like aluminum, mercury, cadmium, arsenic, lead poisoning, right? The medical doctors, now some of them will run a lead poisoning test, but they don't know how to, they don't, they don't measure it properly. Mm. Right? Let me explain why. When you 
are exposed to a heavy metal, let's say lead, you're getting it in your drinking water or some of these schools, you know, they had high levels of lead in the drinking water. Right. And Newark, I think, had it, right, you know, right. New Jersey. After eight hours that you're exposed to it, your blood clears itself. It puts it into your organs. You excrete some of it if you have a good detox system. You, know, you pee it out. Right. Uh, it might go into organs and be stored in the body. One of the things that it does, it goes into your hair follicle. Well, you and I don't have to worry about that right now. I got hair. I'm more hair than you got. (laughs) So as the hair follicle grows out, you get a ticker tape parade of the exposure Mm -hmm. long term. So hair hair analysis is number one thing that I do. It's not expensive. Mm -hmm. You can measure all your minerals, all the toxic metals. This is how they they, do test a lot of the state troopers for drugs now because right. the kids know how to get around the urine test. Right. Can't get around the... No, because it stays in your system. So forensic medicine uses yeah. hair analysis. Yeah. Uh, and I, I use I use a couple of different labs. I use a lab in uh, Texas. There's a lot of good uh, doctor's data does it. And that way you can identify any heavy metals that are in the kid. And from there, I'll just read you from one of the labs that I use. Uh, the insidious neurobehavioral effects can occur at very low doses, so even a low dose of like lead. So the journal Pediatrics reports that even low lead exposure has a severe impact on toddlers, significantly increasing patterns of impulsive acti- hyperactivity and easily frustrated. So the doctors will run a blood test and they'll say you don't have lead, but the kid's loaded with it, right? Because they didn't just they didn't take the blood just when they were exposed to it. Okay, follow me. Mm-hmm. Right, and. Also, unfortunately, the, the impact of early lead exposure and learning behavior often carries over into later years when you become a teenager and an adult, leading to increased risk of academic failure, aggressive antisocial behavior, delinquency, depression, and anxiety. And you can get it from a number of places, drinking water, you know, soil, your home if you have a really old home. Right. So, we, Tom, you know what? We need, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We need to take a quick little break. And for a commercial, and okay. we'll be right then back. I'll pick up on this one and get back. Awesome. Right. Thanks. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tom Mantos' Center for Alternative and Preventative Medicine in New Jersey will help you find the right solutions for your health and nutritional needs. Each person is different, and our customized approach tailored to individual needs allows us to create achievable goals that are based on your lifestyle and physicality. Our preventative medicine specialists are committed to helping you make the changes you need in your life. To schedule a 30-minute free consultation or for more information, call 732-219-9636 or visit TomMantos.com. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. You are listening to Speaking of Nutrition with Tom Mantos and Fred Bornicola. Now, back to the program. So we're back, Tom. Sorry to interrupt you. You were on a roll there, but uh, we had to take a commercial break. So can, please continue with the next thing. Yeah, the, the other thing is uh, nutritional deficiencies like calcium and iron. Those can also, because they help block up some of the iron, that you, the lead, I mean, that you're exposed to in yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Now, the other test that's a little more invasive, it's a little more tougher to do that's very accurate for heavy metals like lead and mercury and that is called a provocative challenge. You do a chelating agent like D-penicillamine and then on the second, and that pulls all the metals out of your body. Okay. A second day, collect your urine for 24 hours. How long does it take to draw the metals out of the body then? Like a full day on it. it. And then by the second day you can collect your urine. Yeah. Oh yeah. You'll be peeing out all kinds of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the hair seems to be, the easiest sure. and most accurate. Uh-huh. 
All right. And then um, some guys do the provocative, provocative challenge in that. But the, the only way that you can get these heavy metals out in the old days was to do intravenous. You had to do an IV of a chelating agent mm. like EDTA. Was, it's FDA approved for lead. They also use that for chelation therapy. But now the Functional Medicine Research Institute, as I always talk about, they developed a nutritional product called Metalliclear. This is very interesting. You'll, you can go on my website and check it out, tommantos.com. Go to um, Supplement Store and then hit Metagenics. Mm. Metalliclear and has a ton of studies of the journals of biochemistry on it. What it does is it stimulates your gene to activate mm-hmm. that gets rid of heavy metals. Okay. It's called metallothionine, okay. if you want to write that down. And you can do an oral chelating thing, and it's good when there's no side effects or anything like that. Because, it's you know, I mean, if a kid had really high lead, and then you got to, like, do chelating agents and everything in them, IV or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. A little rough on them. So, you know, what this has been a common theme, right? We've talked about through every single podcast is inflammation and how uh, how um, heavy metals can really disturb your system tremendously. Yeah, yeah. We'll give you an example: uh, mercury, right? For instance, 2004, the American Journal of Pediatrics published a study that said over 700,000 kids were going to be born with mercury poisoning. Mm. They got from their mother. Mm-hmm. That's why they tell you not to eat tuna and all this. And right, so sushi and all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Mercury is neurotoxic. Mm-hmm. So it can produce symptoms like autism or all kinds of ADHD, like severe cases of it. Not only is it neurotoxic, cardiovac- it's toxic to the cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. Look how many kids now are having cardiovascular problems that only adults used to get. Right. Well, right? in addition to being obese and... And, yeah, and, yeah, but it, it's like a poison to your sure. brain and your heart, right? You know, so that's another thing to look at, right? You know, all these are contributing factors to potentially reasons why some yeah. child or but adult if, even has ADHD. But if you have, if you have um, like severe lead poisoning, right, it, it can be the only cause. Yeah, it, it'll wreck your nervous system. Yeah, the second test, and I do this a lot for different things. I do a neurotransmitter test. Now, doctors aren't familiar with it unless they're a functional medicine doctor and they've studied. I've studied this for like 12 years. I've been all research things on it. So what they do is, through a simple test, uh, I'll tell you the lab that I use is called Sinesco, S-A-N-E-S-C-O. You can go to that.com and look up the lab. Now, if you people want to please get out a piece of paper and pencil, and I'm going to take you through a little diagram of what we're looking at just to make it like make some sense to you. So on the left of your piece of paper, put at the top SNS. That's sympathetic nervous system, SNS, and put gas pedal on there. On the right piece of the paper, you're going to put PSNS, parasympathetic nervous system. That's the break. So these two sides are, should be in balance. Mm-hmm. You got the gas pedal, the brake to maintain balance. Mm-hmm. Now on the gas pedal side, the SNS, you have like compounds like adrenaline, like your fight or flight chemistry, right? right? Mm-hmm. And you got something like dopamine. People may have heard of dopamine. There's other chemicals. I'm not going to confuse. I'm just going to stick with it easy. Those are your gas pedal. You're stressed out. You get emotionally and physically violent, like, or something comes to eat you up, right? Mm-hmm. And you get all this adrenaline pumped out, you know? That's that side. The other side is the breaks. That has to do with people may have heard of serotonin mm-hmm. and another thing called GABA, right. GABA, GABA amino benzoic acid, and there's some other chemicals in there. That's the break. When you get an imbalance where the gas is pushed down to the ground, and the brakes aren't working or your brakes are depleted. Mm-hmm. What happens through life and stress and medications, the antipsychotic stuff and the Ritalin they put on kids depletes the brakes. Mm-hmm. So that's why these, you see these kids bouncing off the walls a lot of times. Right. Right. right? The brakes. So what we do is there's different nutritional ways. First, I, I have the kid do the test. It's a second morning urine collection. It's easy. If I want to look at the adrenals, like your fight or flight things, like they do a little saliva test. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Send it out to the lab. I use Sinesco, right, lab for this. 
Now, typically what you're going to see is the gas pedal is all screwed up. It's either real high or real low. Okay. And generally what you see in almost everybody is the brakes are shot. Right. There's no brakes left. Yeah, they constantly okay. yeah, they constantly they're so, worn out from being constantly yeah, used. Like the gas pedal side, that's where all your amphetamines goes through. Mm-hmm. Heroin, crack cocaine, Ritalin, Adderall, right? You take those long enough, your brakes trying to put the brakes on that. Yeah. They burn out. They sure. get depleted. Sure. Now you got nothing to inhibit it. Right. So when we we can customize, this is one of the most important tests f- to look at these children. You can use amino acids and vitamins, combinations. They've already developed them for all different, depends what your results show you. Give me an example. The gas pedal side could be supported with an amino acid called tyrosine. That's just one of many. Mm -hmm. Tyrosine helps the dopamine. Your brakes, usually those are very low. Mm -hmm. You see it all the time. And you'll see it in people like with really bad, like, panic attacks and anxiety all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you see all that. The, the serotonin, you may give 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan. You may give something called L-theanine, right. which also helps your inhibitory. And it's like, ooh, I'm putting the brakes on now, mm-hmm. calming down, mm-hmm. right? What the, what the Ritalin does, here's, here's one of the problems. You don't even see him using Ritalin as much anymore, but 7, 8, 10 years on Ritalin, depletes your brakes so bad when your serotonin is totally down. Now you start having problems with depression, suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. all these other negative sure. things because of the med. Now you got to take another medication like Prozac. Right. To bring you back to up. try to get the other yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what yeah. happens. Well, it's, it's a balancing crazy. act for the drugs. Yeah. So the test is real. The test is, is pretty affordable. It's easy to do. And that's one of the first things. So number one is going to be, I'm going to look at heavy metals Mm -hmm. and I'm going to look at the neurotransmitter testing. And, you know, same thing I do it a lot with adults. I get a lot of people come in with depression, anxiety issues, can't sleep. Sure. Which could be your serotonin. You know, you might want to look at that and then you can accurately, you know, supplement it. Now the other big one and the other third one that I add to this mix is Food and chemical sensitivity, right? Now, I use a lab called Elitis, and I have went into this in quite a bit of detail on, uh, we were talking about autoimmune problems. Right, right, yes. Right, the mm-hmm. inflammatory disorders. Right. Remember that your gut and your brain are directly connected. They speak all the time to one another through the vagus nerve. So if you're having food, chemicals, Give me an example. Food dye number forty, mm-hmm. and the and the some of the other food colorings. All these kids react terribly to it. Really? So you got to get the food dyes and colorings and preservatives out of it. Yeah, all the time. Oh, you don't have to worry time. about that if you eat a wholesome diet. So. Yeah, but you know yeah. they don't. So right. So here, here's a um, here's a study from the Journal of Neuroimmunology, two thousand and three. Our findings establish a direct relationship between brain function and food allergy, thus creating a solid ground for understanding the etiology of psychological disorders in allergic patients or the, or the food sensitivity patient. So you want to look at this because most of the kids, they're, you know, they're not eating a great diet to begin with. No. Right? <clears throat> so we look at this food thing, and then what we can do is eliminate some things and work on fixing up the gut. Right. <laughs> because it's the gut that's letting these molecules in and they affect the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. Give me an, ex- an ex- extreme example. And they do the, find this in younger kids, celiac disease, mm-hmm. right? It's an inability to digest the gluten and like wheat, rye, mm-hmm. barley, and all those things. Mm-hmm. A certain percentage of people with celiac, they eat one shot of uh, gluten. Mm-hmm. Gives them psychi- uh, schizophrenic reactions in the brain. That's pretty intense. Yeah, it's, it, it short circuits all our neurotransmitters in the yeah. brain. So they're they're even coordinating these. There was a whole book one time written on cerebral allergies, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it is. That the sensitivities to the food affect the brain. Sure. Right, and you can apply this to things like uh, autism. A lot of these things I'm talking about, 
Well, and I'm not doing a specific thing on autism, but I, I do I do uh, talks on that. I've taught them in colleges. A lot of these things apply to autistic kids too, right? Because it's affecting the brain in a different level and different area of the brain. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all it really is. Um. And the, the test, actually, they got the test down now. You only got to do like a couple of finger pricks. So it's pretty, you don't even have to get, you can do it at home. For the food sensitivity. For the food sensitivities. Yeah. And then you got to pull it out of the diet. The other thing, and teachers know this, the kids eat lunch and they're eating processed food and a lot of sugar and junk. Right. They're like wild animals. A lot of kids do get dropped off before school and they may get snacks. You know, I've heard teachers say, well, you know, they have a, I forget what they call it, zero class or zero hour class or something like that. Anyway, it's, you know, parents are dropping kids off before the first period. Uh, kids are in the lunchroom waiting to go in and they're eating, you know, Apple Jacks and Pop-Tarts and juice and stuff. And then their first couple classes, they're just, their, their grades are going down because their attention spans are crashing from a sugar high. You know, they're all, they're amped up. They come crashing down. Their attention span is shot. Their ability to learn is just minimal. So, right. you know, and we'll talk about the effects of, Opposite of which, what exercise is done for that situation. Well, you know what the sugar does, and these kids, because they're they're genetically predisposed to this, Mm. it blasts out their dopamine, Mm -hmm. which is the gas pedal, Mm -hmm. and that's why they react like that. Right, and the brakes are shot, like you said. So there's a huge problem. So then there's a few other tests that I may do, but the main ones I'm going to say again: heavy and toxic metals. I do the hair analysis, neurotransmitter testing with urine, maybe saliva. And food and chemical sensitivity testing, little finger prick. Right. That's how the technologies, they don't need a blood drawer anymore on that. A few of the other ones I may look at, I'm not going to go into them in, in detail. Urinary peptides. What urinary peptides may show me is e- incomplete digestion of foods. Again, going back to the gut. But these really large food molecules that, that are being absorbed into the body, they're mistaken for endorphins and exorphins and can really screw up your brain chemistry. I might do organic acids. Certain microbial overgrowth in organisms are associated with the, uh, developmental problems in children. And I may do, I don't even do this anymore, essential fatty acid. You can do like a whole, it measures all the fats that you have okay. in your system, you yeah, know? Right, right. Because it always comes out bad. Well, because they're not eating, okay, <laughs> they're not eating a well-rounded diet. Right, so, it always yeah. comes out bad, yeah. so I don't even bother with it. Well, see, here's the thing. What you just explained is a bit of a lengthy process, right? Versus going to a physician, getting a script. So, you know, maybe, you know, if you're a parent and you are concerned about your, your child having an issue and seeing a functional medicine doctor may seem a little longer process. Um, it may be a little more expensive process. You know, it's time consuming to narrow down the issues, but it is a long term Better alternative. It's a, solu- far, it's far, a solution. It's a solution, right? It's not yeah. a Band-Aid on a problem. Yeah, the kids are going to be stuck on Ritalin as an adult and have other issues. Oh, they're going to have, have all kinds of yeah, things. Right. It never corrects right. anything. Right. Really. It's a downward spiral. Again, temporarily, they seem, oh, they got better, but long-term now. Well, because it's tough. Parents are out working. You know, mom and dad are out working, and you got this you know, play date, and you're running here, and you're running there, and you got this to go on. And, and sometimes you just want little Johnny to chill out so you can have a decent meal and get your stuff done. And, and it's definitely, and I'm not saying it's an easy way out, but it's not this, it, it's not the sensible way out. It's gonna, it's a short term fix for a long term well, problem. Here's the thing too. If a kid's already on medication, you're not gonna pull want them to go off of it. No. Um, their doctor has to do that. Yeah. But all these things I'm talking about, you can do while they're on medication. Yeah. And as they get improvement, the doctor can start weaning down off the medication. That's right. totally that's totally logical. Just like right? we discussed about, you know, your healthy heart and all if you're on any kind of medication at all, right? Whether you have high blood pressure, cholesterol, whatever, you know, diabetic, you still can do this in conjunction with. You just don't want to you just you don't want to abandon your, your medications right away, but you also don't want to just sit and hope for the best. Right, you just can't go off. Yeah, that. no, but you also don't want to sit and hope for the best. You got to work at yeah, improving Yeah, it yourself. never works out too no, well. No, <laughs> well, then do you, when you're that far down the road, then too, then you have a then you talk about a host of problems. It's a long, long way back up the up the hill when you when you get too bad to to a point where you're you're struggling to get off Ritalin, you have tons and tons of problems. Yeah, it's, so, I mean, it's always it's always better to do it earlier, right? And that, you know. So let's take another quick, short little break, and uh, we'll be right back to finish up this segment. Okay. Thank you.
healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tom Mantos's Center for Alternative and Preventative Medicine in New Jersey will help you find the right solutions for your health and nutritional needs. Each person is different, and our customized approach tailored to individual needs allows us to create achievable goals that are based on your lifestyle and physicality. Our preventative medicine specialists are committed to helping you make the changes you need in your life. To schedule a 30-minute free consultation or for more information, call 732-219-9636 or visit TomMantos.com. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. are listening to Speaking of Nutrition with Tom Mantos and Fred Fornicola. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi folks. We're back. Uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about something else, which I think is paramount to helping these children improve in their health. Now, let me read you a couple of studies. This is from the American Journal of Lifestyle Medicine, Volume 1, Number 3. 2007. This is what it says. Exercise interventions are associated with significant benefits for patients with mild to moderate forms of depression, as well as in reducing anxiety. These findings have led to the proposal that exercise may serve as an alternative or a supplement to traditional forms of therapy. And then there's a little side note that says, ask your doctor if getting off your butt is good for you, right, is right for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Then out of Newsweek, out of the um, Journals of uh, Neurobiology of Learning and Memory, 2007, learning was 20% faster after intense physical exercise was done. Right. Quite outstanding. Surprise. There's your, med- there's your medicine, right? <laughs> and then uh, the last one is, as an alternative to drugs, the researchers point out a natural, safe, and inexpensive method of increasing dopamine levels in the brain, that's called exercise. Right, right. So I know you have a lot of background in this, Fred. Yeah, uh, I do. Give I us do. a little well, lowdown on it. Well, one thing I wanted to first talk about is this book that I picked up about 10 years ago by uh, Dr. John Rady. He's a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, clinical associate professor of psychiatry at uh, Harvard Medical School. And he wrote a book called Spark, The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise in the Brain. And I picked it up because, I mean, I'm always interested in learning. And, you know, as a fitness professional, it's not just about lifting weights. It's about, you know, how people handle things emotionally, spiritually. It's all part of good health. And so when I picked this book up, I was really interested in the fact that how how impactful exercise was. And uh, Dr. Rady covers a lot of of detailed information with a lot of research. Uh, It doesn't read like a research book, but he does talk about different situations where they've been tested all over the world. Um, and with great results. And uh, he discusses in this book um, uh, the effects of exercise on learning, stress, anxiety, depression, ADD, ADHD, hormonal changes, aging, you know, know, everything else involved. And Mm -hmm. the the big emphasis, Tom, is that, you know, the studies they did, most of the studies was about aerobic exercise because they were just, you know, using just, you know, people and mice and whatever else to just figure out the chemistry and everything that was going on. But the big impact was how important exercise was to learning and invoking uh, good habits and invoking a positive response to things. So uh, one of the stories he tells about is a woman, an older woman who was going through some social anxieties, didn't even want to leave the house. She ended up getting a little personal trampoline and she started using the trampoline every time she was having anxiety. 
And then she found that she was using it quite a bit. And then all of a sudden, the trampoline was giving her that endorphin release and making her feel good. So now wasn't she wasn't associating using the exercise as a means of just calming her down, but she was going to, to have healthy benefits. They did this with children as well. They had something uh, called Zero Hour where they experimented with kids before class, before school started, where they did aerobic exercise, whether it was riding stationary bike, going for a walk or a run. And every one of the kids, all their grades improved. So the, the, the ability for the chemical release in the brain, the ability to have a high level of achievement, they were achieving things. So they felt that on a very personal conscious level. They didn't know the chemistry that was going on, right? But in conjunction with that and their achievement of doing things like that and being part of a community and being part of a group, succeed, <clears throat> excuse me, succeeding, they all improved their, their grades. It was amazing. How and their they, behavior. And their behavior, right. yeah. yeah. They were looking forward to going to class. They were calmer. They had the ability to focus a much, much greater. And again, this is not just children either, right? This is applies to adults as well. But they found out that's been a, a huge, a huge benefit. So the advice is to not just run your kid down, down to the energy. It's not about that. It's about the chemical release, the endorphin release that stimulates the brain. You know, he gets very de- detailed and technical about some things. It's a little easier to understand his writing, of course. But it's a huge impact. And the thing is, is that you look at schools, for instance, they're cutting. The first thing they cut is the PE program. You're like, what? This is not about it. You really want to see your kids increase their grade point average, you know, encourage the athletics. You know, they, they, he used an example that there was one teacher teaching third or fourth grade. She had the kids for five or ten minutes before they actually got into their studies, got up and did Zumba hula hoops, things of that nature. Things, things that you like. Right? Things that I like. You do that. Yeah. But they did, what they did was she got them to burn off a few, you know, a few calories, burn up some energy, but gave that, that, that release of, you know, what they needed chemistry and settle them down. And the learning became that much better for them. Yeah. I mean, the, you, you guys got to limit the, you know, on the computer 24 seven. Right. These stupid games. Yeah. That's you know, not that, activity. That's a, no, it's not an activity at all. You know, you got to look, you know, Martial arts, I think, is a great, you know, avenue to get kids into. Yeah. Whether it's some grappling or jujitsu or he mentions, boxing right, or he mentions, something. Yeah, he mentions that, too. And a lot of things, too, is that, um, you know, some kids are better off in group environments. Some kids like independent sports. So if they wanted to go swimming, play basketball. I mean, you know, we talk about the importance of, you know, getting your kids involved in athletics, recreational stuff. It's it's to build it's to build uh, community it's to build confidence but uh, you muscle and, and improve your heart and all the other good stuff but really it's such a huge brain it's power. just a natural part of what our bodies are supposed to supposed do. to do really. yeah right. right but but what I'm getting at is that I think the most important about it is what it does for the brain yeah you know that's where a big plus is and you don't have to have a kid on Ritalin just zombied out in front of a TV or a computer at that point, you know, let them go run around and do the things that he's supposed to encourage it. Go for a walk with them, do whatever that takes them to do to, to get yeah. moving, you know? I mean, the parents have to be a little motivated because they know they're going to have some work to do, not just stick a kid on a drug. Right. And then there's no work. You just take this pill and then maybe a little counseling, but there's so much more you could be doing for them. The other, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and then I'm going to, I'm going to recommend a really good all-around supplement for these children, which also takes out the food allergies. But one of the things that's really big in the United States is a meta, a magnesium deficiency. And this is from the Journal of Medical Hypothesis 2006, which states magnesium deficiency is well known to produce neuropathies, that's brain abnormalities, the possibility that magnesium deficiency is the cause of most major depression and related mental health problems, including IQ loss and addiction is enormously important in public health and is recommended for immediate further study. And then another one in the journal, the American College of Nutrition, uh, we see magnesium deficiency intensifies adverse reactions to stress. So you can't handle stress as well anymore. That can be life-threatening. Such reactions are mediated by excess release of the stress hormone, which is like your dopamine I talked about and all that, mm-hmm. and are increased by low levels of magnesium. So this is real important. This is a big deficiency. Well, take, think about the, um, 
the foods that you're going to recommend to, you know, have for kids too. When you look at, we talked about the foods, you talked about the dyes, you talked about the sugars, right? I mean, even in um, Dr. Rady's book, he says here that, that low-carb diets are, are maybe okay for losing weight but not good for the brain. Whole grains have complex carbohydrates, supply a steady flow of energy rather than spike and crash of simple sugars, and they're necessary to transport amino acids such as tryptophan to the brain. Tryptophan is a precursor necessary for the production of serotonin, and it and other important amino acids come from protein. Yeah. So and when you're sitting there giving your kid some junk, junky food, and they're just getting sugar highs and getting, you know, what you said about the, the dyes and stuff before like that. But having a complex carbohydrate, thinking about oatmeal, give them a snack like that. Don't give them something that's convenient just because they just to shut them up. You got to take control of what you're feeding the child so that they don't have these type of issues and they can benefit from it long term. And the, the other point on that is start good nutrition young in the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they can have a little bit of this and that, but don't let them just pick what they want to eat. They can't even, you know, a kid cannot pick out the right things to eat. No, but they can't even decide, you know, whether I should cross the road or not. They have to be taught these things. Sure. Tell you what, I get a kid in 12, 13, 14 years old that has a lot of problems. And the parents just, they just let them eat whatever they, yeah, but how, they want. But how knowledgeable is the parent at that point too? Like, I mean, so if you say to somebody, <laughs> well, I, I, here, let me give you an example. Many, many, many years ago, I was, a neighbor said to me that her daughter didn't like particular fruits. I said, well, you need to give that child some fruit and vegetables. She's like, well, she doesn't like fruit. I said, try and get her something. So she comes back from the grocery store and she's yelling to me, I got her some fruit. I got her some fruit. I'm like, great. What'd you get? She goes, fruit roll-ups. Oh, Christmas. <laughs> I said, yeah. it's not a fruit. She said, it says fruit in the name. Well, I'm like, just, okay, well, that's ignorant. That's really <laughs> it, I know it's silly, but the point I'm making is that, you know, I mean, it, you have to know what you're doing, too, before you're giving it to the child, right? So you have to be but educated I mean, yourself. Some well. of it's common sense. Some there's so, much, there's extreme, so much you can. It's an extreme well, situation. But look, think about cereal. We've promoted cereal forever. It's a yeah, good start of a good day. Most of it's crap. Right. Start of a good day is cereal and, and, and milk and a glass of juice. Everything that's a sugar high. Even oh. juice right there is going to spike. The old team commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we talked about different opportunities or options, I should say, you know, using the, um, what was it, uh, Kashi Crush and, uh, and Kashi Golene and things of that yeah. nature. So you can get a good solid cereal to start your kid's day off. A little fat it's, just hard, it's hard to change them when they're older. Yeah, you but know, we may change this, you know, when we realize this. Well, things I, we yeah, did, we did. We were, we're, we're, we're self-motivated, yeah. So sometimes you got to work a little slower and relearn different things and everything. Now, the other thing um, – from the Journal of Brain Topography is 2008, and I had talked about this before. The amino acid theanine—you ever hear that, Fred? Yeah. Theanine. Mm-hmm. It's it's it reacts to improve your inhibitory or your brake pedal. Mm-hmm. Theanine, 100 to 200 milligrams. You can space it out during the day. And what it's saying is, theanine plays a more general role in attentional processing facilitating longer lasting processes responsible for attention over a longer period of time. So mm-hmm. it, it chills you out. Right. So that might be one of the things I would use after I get the, and there might be some other things, combination, usually the neurotransmitter uh, supplements that they've studied or combination products. I've that, actually that handled that, you know, handle different results that you get. I've actually right. taken theanine and melatonin together to help sleep. Yeah. 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 You can do that. Yep. The other one uh, from neuroscience is 2007. And I talked about this before. The essential fats are critical for brain development. Right. So your omega-3 fats, EPA, particularly the DHA component, is essential for development of the brain. Yeah. Not only while the mother's carrying the baby pregnancy, but afterwards that they get this. And it says here, higher reported consumption of the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids. Now, if the kid won't eat fish, you do supplements. Right. They have lemon-lime-flavored liquid. You can put it in stuff. Mm. And associated with positive effects on memory, mood, and uh, effects regulation of the brain. And it acts like an antidepressant, the omega-3s. Because mm. I can tell you, all the essential fatty acids that you need for cognitive function, 
for the immune system. It does a whole bunch of things, prevents uh, clots in the blood, reduces inflammation. All our fat intake is screwed up. Right. What talk did I do where I went into diabetes? Diabetes, right. Diabetes, Comparing part the, two. Uh, yeah, threes and part sixes, two. right? We're so imbalanced in threes and sixes. Make threes and sixes, right? Yeah. And then I'm, I'm going to read a couple other things on mercury poisoning, which is in most of your vaccines. That's one source. Mm-hmm. And then the other source would be drinking water. Fish. Certain, certain fish, fish that yeah. you don't want to, yeah, mm-hmm. or the, you know, tuna fish can't tune in all that. Mm-hmm. And this is from the Journal of uh, Neurology and Sciences, 2008. Consistent, significantly increased rate ratios were observed for autism. Autism spectrum disorders, tics, attention deficit disorder, and emotional disturbances with high levels of mercury exposure from vaccines. Mm -hmm. So I didn't write that. I'm telling you from the journals of neuroscience, neurology. And then... From the archives of uh, child development, 2006, and it has a picture of a little baby on there, and it says, "Please don't poison my brain." Mm. All right. For 30 years, cancers have been the most feared diseases linked to environmental chemicals. Recently, developmental effects, especially those of the central nervous system, appear to have taken their place, at least in part. So that's another reason: eat organic food, man. Right. Your kid has a small body weight. They're much more affected sure. by the same amount of, you know, pesticides sure. and things. Right. That the impact is so a much lot greater. of these pesticides yeah. and things have, you know, right. affected the nervous system. So if we had, a, if we had to round this up, right, in the simplest terms, we talked about the heavy metals and all the testing. Just, just a generic approach, right? Again, this seems to be redundant. Well, to every look, organic yeah. foods, <laughs> exercise, right? Um, Again. Either go to go to a functional medicine doctor or an alternative doctor. If you can find one that does classical homeopathy, that's a huge bonus. Because a lot of times the homeopathy will correct a lot of it, right? a lot of sure. a lot of it, right. right? Or they can, you know, you can contact me and I can go over a whole thing with you. I do a free consult for thirty minutes, and then the testing. When you have some kid that's diagnosed with autism or spectrum disorder. Heavy metal tests, neurotransmitter, and food and chemical sensitivity. Those are your three main ones. So that you can figure out what you need to do with the kid's diet, right. what, you know, balances you need to, to bring about um, to improve their, you know. So with all this said, this is going to lead into our next podcast about detoxing. Oh, yeah. That's a big one because right. the new year, right? right? Yeah. And I want to go over a medical system of detoxification studied on 100,000 patients over 20 years. Not these stupid internet detoxes okay. which are ridiculous right, right, right. so until right. next time everyone thanks for listening to us check us out on voice america if you uh, listen to us on itunes uh, rate and review us please thank you thank you thank you for listening this week to tom mantos speaking of nutrition with co-host fred bornicola we have new episodes every week on the voice america health and wellness channel please join us again soon as we continue your personal journey to better health